professor of psychology uh, was well known throughout his neighborhood for getting on parents. Now, he had no kids of his own, but whenever he saw a parent uh, disciplining their children, he would say, you need to love that child, not punish them. And so it went, and he uh, had a problem. He had to fix his driveway. He had a concrete driveway, and, and a section of it was broken, and he needed to fix it. So he got out one summer day and, and worked on it and spent quite a few hours uh, getting it all uh, torn out and then replaced. Uh, he finally uh, got off his knees with his trowel, set it down, and, and it was sweating all over. He went inside. He was going inside to get a drink, and, and uh, out the corner of his eye, he saw movement. Seems one of his mischief, mischievous little uh, neighbor boys uh, thought it would be a great idea with that smooth, wet concrete to put his foot in it. And so he got mad and he went over and he was about to spank the boy and out of a, the window, one of his neighbors said, Professor, remember, love the boy, not punish him. And the professor screamed back, I do love him in the abstract, but I don't love him in the concrete. <laughs> I'm glad y'all got that. You know, when you, when you have to explain a funny story, the concrete, con, yeah, abstract, con, then it doesn't work, right? So I'm, I'm glad y'all got it. It's quite one thing to say you love somebody or something. It's a totally different thing to put it into practice, to do something about it, isn't it? How much do you love your wife or your husband? How much do you love your sons or your daughters? How much do you love your neighbors how much do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? How much do you love that person that has no food or has no clothing or is in prison? How much? It's quite one thing to say we love them. It's a totally different thing than to do something about it. You remember last week I laid on you this equation. Love equals give. Love equals give. It is my belief that if we love something, we'll invest in that by giving. We'll give of our time, we'll give of our energy, and we'll give of our financial means and resources. You can re those verbs are really synonymous. Loving is giving, giving is loving. But today I want to take it a little further as we look at what I see kind of as the counterpart to John 3.16. It's really convenient in the way the Bible is, is set up. 1 John 3.16, the epistle to John, his first letter. Uh, it is in verse 16 of chapter 3. It says a lot of the same thing. 1 John 3.16 through 18. I want to read to you, and then we'll, I will actually show you the verses up there on the screen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Some versions say, but let's love indeed and in truth. 
So you hear those words. I think they teach us three principles that make sure we're uh, truly giving in love. We're, we're truly acting upon that love that we feel in our hearts, that love that we have. The first thing, and it really kind of flows nicely, these three verses, if we know love, how do we know that love? You remember we said last week, uh, God is love. It's, it's one of the attributes identified and described to him. It's probably his supreme attribute. We see this, and this verse says to us in verse John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. In other words, this is a verbal definition. This is a way, this is how you understand that word. Anytime you hear agape, you should think of this example. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You know, we have an extravagant God, don't we? I mean, that is not just uh, garden variety love. That, that is not just being inconvenienced for a time. If you remember last week, we talked about John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that no one might perish, but whoever believes in him might have everlasting life. That is the extravagant love. There is no greater love than that, than to sacrifice oneself. To, to give of the best that they have to give. That is, uh, this love that we have, it, it has to come from within. And there are two attributes or two things implied there. One, you have the power to give it. No, no one else could have gave Jesus other than God the Father and then Jesus willingly doing it himself. You have to have the power to give it and then you have to be willing to give it. You have to, to have that resource within you and then be able to give it. So often to, today our, our world talks about the, the world around us, about what you can give. And it talks about love as in, in connecting it with things that, that are not in this biblical definition or biblical description. It talks about love in terms of, of sex or love in terms of of power, or love in terms of prestige, and those are not what we're talking about at all here, are we? We're, we're talking about love is measured in sacrifice. It, John fifteen thirteen says, greater love has no one than this, uh, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, that maybe mo moves your mind to thinking about, w would you be willing to, to die for someone? And some of us are geared to make those, those big gestures, uh, the big gestures and, and do those one-time things. And we might say that, yes, I would be willing, but listen, I, I think it's an ongoing process. I, I think this investing in those around us in love, it is a, it's a daily death in a sense. It's a daily sacrifice. It's a daily giving. We as Northside here, uh, a church of Christ, the body of Christ, we, I think, are charged in the same way to, to be extravagant in our love for the community, in our love for the people that come our way. And we, we need to understand that that's not 
us all one day uh, having a mass uh, execution, a mass giving of ourselves, a mass suicide. It's no, it's more all of us receiving this extravagant love of God and then and then giving it out, as he says here uh, to our friends. Who are God's friends? Who are the friends of Jesus? It is all of us, every single one of us. You might say to me today, well, I don't feel so lovely. You don't know what I've done this week. I don't know, but, but God does. God gave his one and only son so that whoever believes. What that says to me is there are no people that are disqualified there, there are no people that have, have done so much evil and, and so much wrong, so much selfish taking that, that God doesn't still love you, that he didn't give his son for you, that, that Jesus didn't willingly lay down his life for you. Greater love hath no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You know, when you're at your darkest when you're in the the depths of despair I hope you'll remember that you have the best friend that anyone would ever need you see I have people tell me from time to time I have no friends yes no you do and I will tell you I I really as I've grown in my walk with the Lord it really is is such a blessing to me that to feel a, a friendship with Jesus Christ. To feel that, that someone knows me inside out and loves me anyway. I, I, know, I know that might sound sappy, but, but that's exactly my reality. And uh, it can be for you as well. Greater love had no man than this, and he laid down his life. For his friends. And, and that verse goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives. We ought. And you know, in uh, two, two uh, language uh, understands your insights here. One, that word love there is in the perfect tense, which means it, it happens day after day. And that's where I get we need to, to sacrifice. We need to lay down our lives in little pieces day after day for those around us. And two, we ought. You know, back in those times, ought had a, a legal uh, meaning to it. Ought, when he says that word, means you owe it. We ought to lay down our lives. But because you've received this extravagant love of God, it, it's not enough just to receive it. Listen, if you're not a Christian today, I want you to know God's love. You are a friend of his. He, he died for you. He wants you uh, to have the opportunity to be forgiven and to be saved. And you need to receive that. But, but none of us are, are to come and receive and, and then just stop. None of us are just to come and receive and, and then stay babies forever. You see this pattern throughout Scripture. We are saved not by any means of our own. We are saved by grace. And our response is first to believe that and to have faith. And then that faith leads to us seeing that we need to give back. Us seeing that we need to 
to sacrifice as well. Us seeing that we need to respond to this extravagant love by loving ourselves. That's the flow here. We ought to. We owe it. If you know love, then secondly, uh, you owe love. Then we owe love. Isn't that a, a, a good way to remember it? If we know love, then we owe love. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? How can the love of God be in that person? That makes it kind of clear, doesn't it? it? It says, if we have uh, things, if we have stuff, and believe it or not, we all have stuff. I've got a website for you to check out uh, if you dare, globalrichlist.com, globalrichlist.com. If you go to that site, it'll ask you to put in uh, your annual salary or your net worth, either one. It gives you a choice, and, and you put that in, and then you find out where you fit in the world in terms of material possession. And it is illuminating. It is humbling. For example, if you make $50,000 a year, did you know you're in the top 0.31% of the world's population? You might say, well, 50000 I mean, today's world, that, that's, that's not a whole lot. I'm middle class, or you might say I'm, I'm lower middle class, or the top 03 I so often think it's about perspective, isn't it? It's about perspective about what we have. It's about perspective about who are our brothers, who are our friends, who are our friends, who are our brothers. That's the question we need to think about. This uh, and you look in, in Genesis 4:10. We move ahead. Look in Genesis 4:10. And you remember this from when Cain was so jealous of his brother and he killed his brother Abel because Abel's sacrifice was more pure, was more generous than his. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your blood's, brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Why? It's in response to Cain saying, am I my brother's keeper? And the scripture gives us that over and over. God knows that oftentimes our tendency is to make excuses. Our tendency is to say, I, I just need to, to take care of myself. I need to, to, to do what I need to do for me and my family. Brothers are everywhere. And then the scripture says that to us. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no, who is your brother? Who are your brothers and sisters? And you can understand that that word's Adelphoi, which can be both and, brothers and sisters. Who are they? They are everyone who calls on the name of Christ. In other words, what this says is, and I think we need to hear it. What this says is we, are, we, we need to take care of those in the body. We need to take care of those in the flock. We get that great example of need in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 to 37. 
Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. Next. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That was how the early church lived among each other. They, they knew the extravagant love of Christ. They extended it to each other. They saw that when there was a need, it wasn't someone else's duty. It wasn't someone else to do it. It was their duty. You know, sometimes it is far easier in the Christian church today, in America today, it's far easier to think about how we should give our money to people overseas. And listen, we do need to make sure the gospel is going to all the ends of the earth. But I also would argue to you that we need to invest in, we need to, to invest in the gospel, not just in word, but indeed in this community, in, around these people. And certainly when we have in our flock people who are in need, we cannot say we've given too much. We cannot say, well, you just should pick yourself up. We need to see. You maybe don't know it because you don't walk in my shoes. But I know in this body right now, there are boys who don't have a solid Christian male role model at home. There are girls that feel tremendous pressure and don't really have a solid female Christian role model to, to show them how to grow up. So they hear it from the world, what a girl should be, what a boy should be. And is it no wonder that oftentimes they make bad choices? I see within this body <clears throat> that we have single moms and single dads that are weary and tired. I see within this body we have people who are struggling with mental illness. We have people that are struggling with how to feed and clothe them and their families. And to that I say, we must Love like Christ loved us. We must see needs and not look the other way. We must see and be touched by the needs. I am so grateful, as I said earlier, for all the people who have brought us to be what we are today. But we are not, for this one point in time, to think. We must think as I've told you often before, the church is the only human organization that exists for those who aren't here yet, for the needs that haven't come up yet. That's our responsibility. That's our ought, is to love people enough to, to give and to sacrifice and to invest in their lives when they need. I was very proud of the church this week as you responded to the needs of a great need of the Harold family. 
in this time of crisis. I want to tell you too, uh, last night I received a phone call that, that showed me again why it is uh, that we're here. What it is that we're doing has such eternal significance. What it is we're doing makes such a difference in the lives of people. Got a call that uh, lady that's been here with us uh, probably the last year, whom I baptized back in July. Mary Jane Savory worked right down the street, was killed in an automo- a motorcycle accident yesterday. And I think, I mean, she was just in my How to Study the Bible class. I, I just visited with her in my office, helping her with some stuff she's struggling through, helping her with her desire to grow and to learn more. What if that accident happened two years ago? What if there was not a Northside Christian church to be there for Mary Jane? And I could tell you and give you illustrations all day. The investments you make, the money you give, the time you expend, the using of your spiritual gifts, the the investment you make in the lives of others. It may not seem as if it makes a difference. It may not seem as if it's noticed, but I assure you, it is noticed. It is crucial. It is absolutely necessary. If we know love, then we owe love. Love indeed. Love indeed. First John 3.18. Got that verse? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In other words, not just talking about it, but doing it. Not just talking about it, but showing it. This is true love. How do you know that it's true love? In 2 Corinthians, we see the church challenged there uh, to, to take up an offering for the Macedonians who are struggling because of famine. And we see they did that. They were working on it. And we see the instructions, 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. That is, it shows whether your love is genuine or not by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You know, I've found through the years... Uh, the more I give of my time, the more I give of my energy, the more I give of my material possessions, uh, the richer I feel. Oh, it doesn't show it in my bank account. It doesn't show it in, in the exhaustion level, but I identify and I feel the blessings of God as I give. I encourage you. I encourage you to think about how much you invest, how much you give in others, how much you give in the service of Christ, how much you give in the name of Christ. It is crucial for us to give truly for the right reasons. Out of the receipt of so much of his good love to to give it to others. It also, as it says here, is in actions and in truth or in deed and in truth. It's works. James 2.15 says this. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. 
And it goes on, if one, any one of you says to him, I go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's why I say, we, we want to receive by faith the salvation from God, but, but we need to grow to the point where we also are, are giving it. Out of his work in us, as we by faith trust him, as we by faith grow in Christ, then we're going to give it away. We're going to give it to others. We're not going to think first about what I have, what I need, but we're going to think about how we can supply the needs of others. I gave you an equation. I'm going to give you another one this week. Here's the conclusion. Remember I told you last week, love equals give. Give equals sacrifice. Give equals sacrifice. You might say, well, how much should I sacrifice? How much should I give? You maybe don't want to ask me that question or ask the word that question. In Luke 21, it says this, as he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And in red, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, you might say, well, if I give all I have, then I won't have more to give next week. And I say, that's up to you. But no, what I'm actually asking and what I want you to really think about is this. At first, I want you to think about how much has God blessed you? How much has God blessed our church? And then I want you to think about how much will he continue to bless us if we love like he loves? So, I say to you, in financial terms, if you are not giving, and statistics show us that a third of people that come to churches across our country don't give anything financially, then I want you to try giving. I want you to sacrifice a little bit, maybe a cup of coffee a day or whatever. If you are giving, I want you to stretch that. And listen, this is not about the need of the church. I, I really believe, and you know, I don't talk a lot about money here because I really believe if we're doing what we're, we're supposed to do, if we're preaching the word, if we're loving people like God loves us, I, I believe money takes care of itself. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm more saying this for your best interest. You might not believe that, but I'm saying it for your best interest. I have found the more I give, the more blessed I am. And I think... I believe it's one of those paradoxes that is absolutely true. As you learn to give and to trust God more, then he blesses you more. I've seen it happen too many times. So I'm saying for your interest, in your best interest, I'm saying to you to stretch. How about volunteering two, five hours a week in the name of Christ? How about 
spending more time in prayer for those in need, for those who need the Lord, for those who have physical need? How about responding by investing yourself personally in those that are needy? I think there is massive potential in this room. We stand on the shoulders of many who have sacrificed uh, to be, for us to be what we are today. But I'll tell you, there are more, many more needs, many more potential brothers and sisters around us. I wonder, I sure hope, I wonder though, how much do we love them? How much, how much? Fathers, we think about these things today. I know it's not easy, it's not comfortable to think about our investment. We maybe even have been thinking during this service, I'm so busy. How am I going to give more time? I have so many bills, how am I going to give money? But I know this. You gave us the time. You gave us the money. And if we're faithful to give, you'll continue to be faithful to what we need. I pray this today, Father, that we would, we would think about the love you have for us. And we would think about how that love we have, that giving that we do, should be sacrificial just as it was for you I pray that you lead us you'll, you'll teach us, you'll show us how and wh- how to respond what we should do to respond I pray this in Jesus name Amen